Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You know, it's an interesting time that we are living in, and it's something that uh, everything that happens to East Berlin, the natural, uh, happens to the church in the spirit. Okay? Uh, I was just reading, uh, reminding myself of that, uh, you know, that when Israel uh, retook Jerusalem, uh, that was when the charismatic movement started in the church. Okay? When General Allen B. liberated Jerusalem, that was when in 1940, just after, no, 1918, something that was, that uh, that was when the message of salvation started coming back into the church. And you have to understand that many of the things that we think are normal, it's not that normal, okay? That uh, we, we take salvation for granted, uh, we say, we think, uh, just, but it's not always been like that. Uh, if you read about revival history, you, there's one of the things that is quite interesting is that when a new revival breaks out, I'm not talking about the American so-called revival, because of, when I hear an American say revival, that word is just worn out. Because uh, it's like for an, it's like American dictionary is completely different from the world's dictionary. If you go to a camp meeting in America, you stay in a five-star hotel. There's no camp. Well, for me, camp meeting is camping. Not anyway. But every revival starts with really that because the so-called institution of church have come so far away from what salvation is. Where you be, so the definition of you becoming a Christian is basically you turn up to a physical geographical point, and if you do it on a regular basis, now you are a Christian. But we know that is not what makes you a Christian, because you can be around Jesus for all your life and not know him. I told you about that last Sunday about Judas, that Judas, <coughs> he knew Jesus as a teacher, he knew Jesus as a prophet, he knew Jesus as a giver, provider, nice guy, uh, all these things. One thing he never got to know Jesus was as a savior. And I'm telling you, that's what is important. It's not important that it's nice, but it's not eternally important that you don't that you that you don't know him as a healer, as a giver, and all these things. What is internally important is that you know Jesus as your savior. Amen. You know that we, we don't come to Jesus and hang out with Jesus. You know I I, I despise these things that it comes into which you you know you see some of these so called in churches come and hang out with Jesus. No, what is wrong with you? You need to meet Jesus. Because hanging out is meaning is something, everything is supposed to be so relaxed. But I can promise you, and I'm telling you, if you, are, if you meet the presence of God, I'm telling you, your, your hair will stand up. Because of, there's one thing that we, you have to understand about Jesus, it is his holiness. You know, you read in the Bible, every time God shows up, Every time an angel from the presence of God shows up, what is the first thing that person angel says? Fear not. It didn't say, let's hang out together. Okay? It is to drag him down to our level. But the thing is, Christianity is not about dragging God to our level. It is about God bringing us up to his level. Amen. It is so important that we don't shape him in our image. Jesus does not have blue eyes and blonde hair and a well-trimmed beard and, and completely uh, and nice samples. Okay, that's not how he looks like. And um, so, so every revival start. I, I start noticing is that because the institution of church have come so far away, now salvation has to be reintroduced. Because there are many people in this day and age, you can ask them. Uh, we say, if you ask the, the common people here in England and say, "Are you a Christian?" What they will say, "Yes." They say, "Next week, have you ever been to church?" Oh, yeah. Then I got confirmed or baptized, depending on what denomination you are coming, you declare to. But the thing is that that is nothing to do with Christianity. That's just a cultural thing that we call Christianity, which is not Christianity at all, anyway. Okay, no, you need to be born again. You need to see that I am in need of a savior. 
And I think that sometimes we have to reintroduce talking about we are all going to die. Because sometimes people are thinking, you know, we have people today who are 60, 70, 80 years old, and in their head, they still think they're 20. You know, I spoke to a guy the other day, he's, he's nearly 70, and then he said, I just want to have a girlfriend. I said, that, that boss has gone long gone. You know, like he wants to live a life as if he was a teenager. No, you have to understand, life does not stand still. Time doesn't stand still. And it's ridiculous with people who are so old, still talking like if they were a teenager, making life decisions as they were teenagers. No, that, you, know, you have to understand, there are seasons for everything. And then you, you know, it's just, and it's just like, a, it's a deception of believing I'm going to be around here on this earth forever. But the thing is, the, the real thing, and I think that every society, especially the Western society, we spend a lot of time denying the fact, denying the truth of we are all going to die. And on, until you have that question settled in your life where, when I die, where am I going? You can't start living. Because everything else will be living in denial of what is inevitable. Okay? Some Christians, they, they, they say, oh, I believe Jesus will come back in my lifetime. No, he won't come back in your lifetime. You'll go to him in your lifetime, but he won't come back in your lifetime. Because there are so many things that is going to happen before Jesus returns. Okay? And, uh, and it's not going to happen in our lifetime. We know what every, now many preachers, they say about, oh, this is the end time sign. I'm telling you, there have been end time signs the last 2,000 years. Okay, but the thing is that you will find that once you have that question settled about where you know when I die, I know where I'm going, now you can start living. They talk about it during World War II, where I said about the Japanese soldiers, they were not always the brightest, but they were, but they were very often the soldiers were showed the most courage. But it was because they, they, they the, the, the Japanese army was built upon the old uh, Japanese religion, the Bushido, where, uh, that, that is the samurai tradition and so on. And, that, and when Wig went to war with samurais, they had the philosophy about they have already died. So we didn't go into a battle try to survive it. They went into battle knowing I am dead already. And I believe that the same thing with you and I as believers, we have to realize that when you met Jesus, you died. Okay, and once you understand you are dead, now you have a foundation to stand against the devil. When the devil accuses you of your past, you have a foundation, I am dead with Christ. You know, the mortgage company does not come and knock at your coffin the day you're gone. Maybe they kick you out of the coffin and just take your coffin, depending on how expensive the coffin is. I saw a hospital in America because, you know, I'm... I couldn't believe it. You could get a coffin that the width, not the length, the width of the coffin was two meters. Can you imagine how big they, 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 they couldn't carry you? They had a crane to lift you. Okay? So if you get a coffin like that, maybe the mortgage company come and kick you out of the coffin and, and sell your coffin for scrap metal or something like that. Anyway, but, it's, but every revival comes back to this one thing that revival, no, that salvation needs to be reintroduced. I look at people that I've known over many, many years in my Christian life, and I'm horrified to see that many of the things they do now, is they, they would not even have thought about doing 20, 30 years ago. So now I don't come to church. Oh, church is it's not even second priority, it's third priority, fourth priority. No, and, they, and they even make out spiritual excuses for why should we not come to church? Oh, I have to do this and I have to do this. But the moment you're losing this thing in your spirit, and you have the spirit of God in you, you will be attracted to fellowship. Just like if you have the spirit of God and you realize that you don't have a hunger for the word of God anymore. Now, that is not a healthy sign. Don't make up, oh, I have YouTube, I have a dream, I have a word, or whatever. No, if you don't have a desire and a hunger for reading the Bible, then there is a sign of something is not right. So you have some sense of revival. Don't buy into the American thing. Oh, we have revival because we have four meetings in a row. When I was a young believer, we call it a seminar. 
not revival. And, you know, and the reason for why revival comes is when we as a, you know, revival is basically God opens the gateway to heaven again. Because religion have closed it, made you do, do a lot of things in religious deeds to make you believe this is what is going to get you to heaven. No, there's only one way to heaven and that is through Jesus Christ when you realize that he is your savior, savior and Lord. Amen. He's not your friend. He's not your this, that and the other. He, you know, you know, but you see how Western culture have damaged the way we portray anything. You know, the Lord is your shepherd. Psalm 23, and we probably all seen these cozy uh, pictures of Jesus, nice trimmed, and then he carries a little lamb over his shoulders. Have you seen him? Oh, yeah. oh, isn't that cute? Oh, he's so nice. Oh, Jesus, he's so good heart. Do you know what we will do? The story is, when a lamb runs away, the shepherd goes out and finds the lamb and breaks the four legs. That's why he's carrying it. Why? Because now the lamb can't run away again. And he carries it while it heals. But it's like, we, we have to understand that many of these images we're seeing is not real. You know, it's not that Jesus is down to, you know, people have religion and modern culture have brought Jesus down to a level where it's not Jesus anymore. It's just an image of what they think is nice. And, and that, that kind of Jesus cannot do anything for you, cannot save you, cannot heal you, cannot restore you, cannot deliver you, cannot set you free, and all these things. It's only Jesus, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, that can do that. And to know him, we all have to meet him uh, as <clears throat> where we realize, I need Jesus, not as my provider first, not as my healer first, but as my savior. And the Bible says that when we believe in our hearts, our spirit, when we see him as we need him as a savior, that is when you recognize that something in me is not complete. Okay? I don't know where before, if you remember before you become a Christian, there is an emptiness, it's your spirit. No man is a spirit, okay, who's got a soul who lives in a body. Okay, so when Adam, he died, when, 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 when God said to Adam, if you eat up the food, you will die. You know, Adam didn't die physically, he died spiritually. Because his spirit that communicated with God, he lost. Did you understand? In Isaiah, you can read about Isaiah, in Isaiah, where Jesus died twice. It says in King James Version that Jesus died twice. Okay, he died physically. But he also died spiritually. Because if he didn't, you know, he died spiritually, what is, that's why he says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He didn't say, My father, my father, why have you forsaken me? But because when his, our sin was laid upon him, God has to turn his face away from God, Jesus. Okay? And that is what spiritual death means, means that you lost the presence of God. Did you understand? And, it, and, and that's what you get, a, get gained back when you realize that I am a sinner and I need salvation. And when the Holy Spirit comes into your spirit and makes your spirit alive again, so now you become, that's why the Bible talks about you become a new creation. Now you are a spiritual being. Before you became a Christian, you were a physical being. Okay? You, but it's your spirit that becomes alive and it's your spirit that communicates with God. It's your spirit that fellowships with God. And without that, I don't care about how many Bible verses you can recite, how many things you know about this, that, and the other, how many times you post something on Facebook. But if your spirit is not alive, you are not born again. And sadly to say, this is the Western society because the devil have brought in a lot of things where he deceives us to believe that we can get on and on with Jesus without knowing him as our savior. Okay? And what happened is over the terms is that now uh, man, they don't say it in words, but they basically made themselves again equal to God. And we are not. He is our Lord. He is the King of Kings. He is our Savior. He is Jesus. Amen. 
and we are his disciples. He is our master. We follow him. He doesn't follow us. It, it is so important. Remember when just the, the night before we were starting to take the <coughs> possess the promised land and the angel of the Lord shows up and Joshua asked, which side are you on? And he said, I'm on no one's side. And Joshua realized this was the angel of the Lord. And he, re and he realized it's not about whether the Lord is on your side. It is about, am I on his side? Amen. You know, you know, I'm telling you, many prayers, you could save a lot of time in prayer because many people, they're praying, oh God, they're trying to convince God to come on to their side. Do you know what that is called? Manipulation. And the Bible talks about manipulation is witchcraft. So when someone comes and says, God showed me this about you, and God showed me this about you, do you know what it is? It's witchcraft. They're trying to gain influence over your life, which they don't have. I don't care if they say, the Lord showed me, the Lord responded me. No, it is not the way it works. As I told you so many, 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 many times, is that it starts with you when it's you. Okay? If you need counsel, if you need wisdom, if you need uh, whatever, then it starts with you. I don't come to you and say, oh, I think you need wisdom. I think you need counsel. Listen to me. That's not how it works. Because when it comes to your life, it starts with your life. Because you are in control. Did you understand? You know, the Bible talks about, that's why the Bible talks about in Proverbs, teach a wise man and he becomes wiser. But don't teach a fool. What is the difference? A wise man come and ask for counsel and you can teach him. A fool, don't ask. So don't try and impose your wisdom upon someone who don't want to hear. Because that is where the Jesus said, don't throw your pearls before swine because they will turn around and destroy you. But most pastors that I know of, they spend most of the time trying to tell people who don't want to listen. And then we get discouraged. Because we don't do anything. No, of course. Because you are, you are not on biblical ground. Okay? But salvation is so vital that we get back into the body, into that becomes the message of the church again. That it is not about come to Jesus, uh, whatever, hang out with Jesus, have a good time. And you know, I, I listened to a preacher called John Evans many years ago. And he said in America, he said, uh, the reason for many people come to church, he said, it's because they can't afford to go anywhere else. And at least we get a show in church for free. Okay? But if it, we are not a show. We are here to represent and reveal Jesus Christ as the Son of God. And whoever receives him can receive eternal life. Amen. This is the most important message that we have. It is not about being relevant to the, to the, to the culture and to the to, to what happens in our society today, because it doesn't matter what day and age we're living in, every single human being needs to be saved. Amen. It, it is so important we, we, we understand this. And um, so, so, and I think, especially now, I believe that, you know, that what you see in Israel, I believe that this could be a new thing that happens in the church because of the, uh, as I said, that when every time it happens something physically with Israel, and a thing happens also in the body of Christ, and um, so 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 always look at Israel. Jesus said, look at the uh, what is a, a palm tree, a fig tree, yeah, okay, that's the physical natural Israel, and see what happens there, and you can read and see discern the times. So when you see something really, really happens there, and I believe it's one of the things that we have to be very worried about, and don't think it's a Jewish problem, because I can tell you that what you know the anti-Semitism that is coming or is here already, you know, it's the church next. Okay, it's you know, but first we came for the Jews, when we come for the Christians, because the devil hates that spirit of the living God. Do, do you understand? It is so important that we understand that. And uh, so it's important that you and I, not to be scared, but to get close to Jesus. This is the season where we should not just live in the periphery and just fit Jesus into my comfort and use him to pursue comfort. But this is the season where I get close to him, closer than ever. 
Okay? Because in his presence, you are safe. In his presence, he's, he says, he is the rock. You know, in, 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 when you walk with God, you can be at rest. You know, uh, you know, if you want to describe an image of peace, the best image I can describe what peace is, is when Jesus is sleeping in the boat during the storm. He is at peace because he knows what happens around him cannot affect him. Because he who is in him is greater than he who is in the world. But you have to understand that needs to be more than a slogan. It has to be real. Now many Christians we think as long as I can reciting it, that means I have it. But we all know that is not necessarily the case because if we have all quoted scriptures and it doesn't happen. It has to be real. We are not here to make a lot of noise. We are here to expose and show Jesus. Okay? So, anyway, in Hebrews 11.6, this is one of my favorite verses. And, uh, and uh, as it says here, but without faith, but without faith, but without faith, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. Now you are in a Western way of teaching faith, and I was brought up in the same way, that faith was something like uh, ability uh, or, uh, or, or like a skill. You know, so we heard phrases where they say, oh, but he has more faith. Oh, you got great faith. And Jesus, we hear Jesus say great faith. Now, as I said to you, and, and I keep saying it over and over and over and over again, so that when I would call you in the middle of the night and I ask you, what is faith, it will just come out naturally because everyone else I hear about, they don't teach it like that. They teach faith as a skill. Oh, I need more faith, meaning I need to practice more. Okay, I need to practice more. No, faith is trust. Faith is knowledge. Okay? That's why when Jesus talks about you only need, if you have faith as a mustard seed. No, everyone thinking about the little seed. No, no, it's not about the little seed. It is about the moment you know Jesus, it doesn't matter if you've known him for a second or if you've known him for 20 years. It's enough. That's what it is about. It's not about, oh, you know, so we're thinking, the way people think about mustard seeds, they're thinking, oh, that means oh, I'm in year one and all I need to do is have a year one level of reading. That's like how they look at it. But that's not what it is about. It is about the moment you meet Jesus, you don't need to wait 30 years and say, now. It's the moment you meet him. Remember the thief on the cross and Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. He couldn't do anything. He hung on that cross. Or maybe, yeah, I could have received him with open arms. But that was it. He, he, he could, and that's what it means when Jesus said, you only need <coughs> faith as a mustard seed. It doesn't mean now you have to build up some kind of ability. It means that the moment you have met him, the moment you have seen him, the moment you have received him as a savior and Lord, that's more than enough for anything in this life. Now you are a conqueror. Do you know what? They couldn't kill Jesus when he was a baby. It wasn't that they didn't try. They couldn't. They couldn't. They couldn't do him harm. Why? Because he was divine. He he had he was close to God. And so are you. So are you. You don't need to one day, I'll have enough faith for this, I'll have enough. No, I, I don't have faith for that. Have you heard that phrase too? No, this is a wrong approach to what faith is. Because you don't have, you know, you don't say about a person, I don't know the person enough. No, the moment you have met Jesus as your Savior and Lord, now you are sufficient. Of course, you will grow from there, but you don't need to grow to a certain level before you can, whatever you think. That's, faith is not a tool. Faith is trust. But now you met him, now you trust him. That is what it talks about. But without faith, you cannot, but without faith, it's impossible to please him. You know, you cannot please God if you don't have trust in him. Just like in any other relationship, if no one, if someone doesn't trust you, 
you cannot be pleased with them. Amen. This is what faith is. But I used to be taught this thing, but without faith it's impossible to please himself. You need to have faith. You need to have more faith. And no one could, when I start asking people, what does it mean to have more faith? Yeah, but you know, yeah. and when, they say, when we start using scriptures out of context, they say, that my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. So that means, so they were trying to say, you need to study more. You need to study more. You need to study more. So, for example, the way they, they, they approached it was, so if you needed healing, and let's say there's 150 verses in the Bible. I don't know if there's 150 verses. But if there's 150 verses in the Bible about healing, and I knew 10 verses, then, and uh, so, so that was my faith. And if I wasn't healed, it was little faith. So now you cannot, so you don't have enough faith, so you need to work on your faith. But, so the way they approached it in application was, so now I need to learn 10 more verses. So now, because I learned, now, before I knew 10, now I know 20, now the likelihood is greater. That's not how it works. I have seen people coming straight in from the street, didn't know anything about Jesus, but their heart was ready and adjusted Jesus to them and they were healed. Other people who have been in the church all their life, I, you know, I laid hands on them so many times and they had no hair lift and still not healed. Because it's not knowledge, head knowledge that gets you healed. It's your heart. That you can have that trust in Jesus. My late mentor, he's home with Jesus now. He passed away 24 years ago. And he was a brilliant Bible teacher. And when he, when he was, when it was his day to go home to Jesus, he just, he blessed his wife. And then he lifted his hands and said, Jesus, I'm ready. And then he was gone. Okay? He had trust. Faith is not knowledge, faith is trust. You can know everything and have nothing. You can know Jesus and have everything. Just if you just have faith as a mustard seed, he says. It's about you don't need you don't need to hang you know, the moment you met him, the moment you received him as your Savior and Lord, all the kingdom of God is available to you at that moment of time. Amen. Not, not, not in 20, oh, when you're 20, it's not like reward points at a hotel. You've got 10 stays and you get upgraded to this. 20 stays, you get upgraded to that. 30, no, that's not how it works. The moment you have, you have received Jesus as your Savior and Lord, now the kingdom of God belongs to you. Amen. So without faith, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. But you know, the great news is, if you have met Jesus, you have faith. You have trust. Amen. So, don't ever... So, so now, when you communicate with Jesus, we examine your communication. Because I've been telling you, many people, when they're praying, it is when trying to convince Jesus. It's when trying to please Jesus. It's when trying to win his favor, win his attention. And you know what, it sounds, it looks really, really good from the outside, but it's not biblical. Because biblical faith is, I already got his favor. I already got his attention. I already have his uh, everything. I don't need, uh, he's already with me. Amen. It's so important you understand this thing, because many of times, the, the way that faith has been taught, it's been taught in a sexual way, so that we're thinking God is someone who still needs to be convinced, who still needs to be worshipped. We don't worship to please God. We did that in the Old Testament. We don't praise God to please Him. We praise and worship Jesus because we, He's already pleased. Our praise and worship is not to gain His attention. Our praise and worship in the New Testament is because we already got His attention. And because we already got his attention, that's why our praise and worship comes not as a technique, not as something we have as a duty or as a religious thing we have to do, but it becomes out of a heart that is full of gratefulness and then that becomes an expression of love. Old Testament worship is an expression of duty. New Testament worship is an expression of love. Do you understand the difference? You know, that's why that 
but I, I seen it sometime, you know, but you know that in the temple we had 24 hours uh, of worship in the temple. I'm telling you, that was duty. Okay? Because they couldn't have a love relationship with Jesus or with God. Why? Because there was no land. You know, there was, they couldn't be born again. They could have a relationship like you have with your boss. You don't love your boss, do you? Oliver. <laughs> she sits over there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> do you not understand? Yeah, as I said earlier, that I saw Estella say, I'm at work, you're working. <laughs> Amen. Anyway, but it's so important you understand that you need to get out of that kind of understanding. And it is easier said than done. People who I talked about healing for so long, and when it comes to when it comes to to uh, to the crunch of the matters, they fall back into what we used to. Okay? No, by his stripes you have been healed. You are not. You know, religion is always about something that happens in the future, something that is going to happen. And so on, and religion puts you in a relationship with God, where you that God has to be pleased. No, God does not need to be pleased anymore. Why? Because the blood of Christ has paid the price. Amen. When He sees you, He sees Jesus. Amen. He sees Jesus. He sees you know that the blood has been poured. And that's more than enough. That's why I'm, the more I start thinking, the more I start reading about, you know, many Christians, they believe there's going to be built a third temple in, in Jerusalem. I don't believe so. Because I think the third temple is already here. That's you and me. And what is fascinating and interesting about the third temple is the third temple is filled of palm trees. Okay, palm tree, and when it's overlaid with gold, and palm trees is a uh, is something divine. You know, we are saved. The, the wood that is used is not acacia wood that was used in the tabernacle that was found in the desert. It is palm wood. What what does that salvation? That's you know what 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 happens if we're going to build the third temple? Is the Holy Spirit suddenly leaving you and then move back to you? So no, it's not. Because he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. You, in Corinthians, say, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Not the residence, a holiday home, but we, we are not the exile of the Holy Spirit. So when we finally get around to build the third temple in Jerusalem, when he leaves us, no. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. There has always been, so, so there's not going to be a third temple. Actually, I think, you know, uh, as I said, that, that uh, you know, that we talk about that, in, in when people who talk about the end time, they say that uh, there's going to be an abomination. Jesus talks about it in Matthew 24, there's an abomination upon the altar, and I believe it's already there. I don't understand why suddenly when someone came up with the idea that uh, they had to have this thing on, on, on the Temple Mount. Okay. Anyway, so, so, but without faith it's impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is. Yeah, else you are just stupid, aren't you? You know, if you don't believe God exists, why, why do you come to him? That's a bit stupid. Well, okay? You know, that, 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 that's just basically saying the obvious. But coming to God must believe that he is. Now notice this thing. And... Now, I don't know what is your translation, but in my translation, the word that is in italic. That means it was not in the original text. That is something that translators added to it. So it basically it reads, and he is a rewarder. And he is a rewarder of them, of them, who is them, those who trust him, of them that diligently seek him. Do you know what? So many religious people, they have a big issue about that God wants to reward you. Do you know what? So many religious people, oh, I don't need anything. I don't need anything. I just need my own needs to be met and so on. So, no, God, the Bible says here in Hebrew that 
He rewards those who diligently seek him. What, what does that sound like? It sounds like Matthew 6, 33, 34. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. When you and I, we make his, our life, now, when everything else comes in place. Don't, if you need healing, don't try to study every healing scripture. Or no, get close to Jesus. If you need prosperity, don't try to study every prosperity scripture. No, get close to Jesus. If you, whatever you are, are you are having in your life, don't be subject-minded because that's the world's way of doing it. Remember this again: my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge in Proverbs. No, or where there is no vision, that in in the Amplified Bible says, where there is no redeeming revelation of Christ, my people get destroyed. I'm telling you. It's not your knowledge of prosperity, knowledge of healing, knowledge of this, that, and the other that is going to make you healed, prosperous, or whatever. It's your relationship with Jesus that's going to make you prosper. Amen. It's relationship with Him. You know, but you don't need to know every single scripture in Hebrew, Greek, and Aramaic, and whatever you can come up with for you to qualify to prosper or qualify to be healed or qualify to be restored. No, you only need to meet Jesus. What qualifies us is the blood, his blood. Amen. His blood. His blood is available to you. Amen. His blood. And you know, that, that blood has been sh sacrificed, shed once and for all. He don't need to do it again. This you are already paid for. So God must, so He is the rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. By faith, Noah being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of, of His house, by the which He condemned the world and became an, an heir of the righteousness which is by faith. By faith, Abraham. When he was called to go out into into a place which he should after receive, <coughs> you know, when you meet Jesus, it's so important you don't return back to where you came from. Do you, do you understand? Uh, in 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 Jewish uh, history, uh, about Abraham, he actually destroyed all his father's idols. His father was an idol worshipper, and his and his father got so angry with him because he he uh, he destroyed all his father's idols. He had to leave where he came from. That's why don't don't assume that when you became before you became a Christian you have these gifts. Now you become a Christian. Don't assume that these gifts are going to be used because you are a new creation. That person you refer to is dead. Don't assume that. Oh, I'm good at that. That's no good for anyone because that person is dead. Do you understand? Don't assume because now he is our life. The Bible says that in him we live and move. Amen. You are a new creation. When when you get there, really, really into, you know, when the devil accuses Have you noticed the devil? What does the devil do? He accuses you of things in your past. Okay? He uses things in your natural circumstances to manipulate you, but when you realize when you are dead with Christ, you don't, you don't. There's no case to answer. Amen. There's no case to answer. But what do we do often? We're trying to go into a reasoning match with the devil. You don't need to, because you are dead. So by so any by faith Abraham when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance. Now notice again everything you receive from Jesus or from God or in the kingdom of God is not as a salary. It is inheritance. Amen. Inheritance. We are co-heirs with Christ. We inheritance. How do you receive an inheritance? You have to be related. Amen. I can't call whoever guy and say, Hey, I've read about you. Elon. Yeah, he's the obvious man now, isn't he? Elon, ah, yeah, I just read your book. Ah, I know a lot about you. Can I get in your, you know, 
I know you got a lot of kids all over the place, and uh, but I can, you know, just 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 a little percentage, <laughs> you know. But no, I will never be. A, I, I might be a recipient of a of of a gift, but not inheritance, because for you to receive an inheritance, you have to be related. This is why the blood is so important. This is why you have to understand that the Old Testament and the New Testament is covenants. Okay? Because if you don't understand its covenants, you won't understand this thing about inheritance. You know, you become closer than a blood, you know, to be a blood brother is closer than being a biological brother. And it's something in the West we don't understand. We have misused phrases like blood is thicker than water and we're thinking this is our biological family. No, this is about covenant family. That is why George W. Bush didn't understand that when, they, when, he, when he contacted the Taliban in Afghanistan and said, we know Osama bin Laden is in Afghanistan, we can see him. He's standing on the mountain mocking the American soldiers and so on. And when they asked him, they asked the leader of the Taliban to to, uh, to, to extradite him to the United States, and he said no. And for a Western mindset, it was completely impossible to understand. But it was because of they understood something about covenants, they understood something about that when you take a guest under your roof, now they are more important than anything else. That's why when you read about Lot, when the, village, the people from the village comes in, from a Western mindset, Western culture, it uh, maybe any culture, it sounds horrific, but instead of giving them the guest, he gives the villages the daughters, but it's a way of thinking. And you have to understand that that mind of covenant thinking, you have to understand that that is the covenant relationship you have with God. It's not a contract. It's a covenant. Okay, and when you understand when it's a covenant, when you don't read the Old Testament as curses and this, that, and the other, these are covenant conditions. So when you keep a when and every covenant comes with a blessing and with a curse, but no one really focuses upon the, the, the curse because when you enter a covenant, you don't think about breaking it. Just like when you get married, you don't have a divorce lawyer standing next to you. Don't say that. Oh, no. So, so it's not about God cursing. It's a covenant thing you have to understand. Anyway, so by faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. Now again, obeyed is not forced. It's trust. I don't obey God in terms of because I have to. I trust him because I know him. It's like I said two Sundays ago, there's no, no such thing as the Ten Commandments. This is a man-made phrase. It doesn't say Ten Commandments. We just made it up and called it the Ten Commandments. It's God's Ten Sayings. And they are not, when we say commandments, it's like God puts it on a pedestal and he looks down upon us and he commands us to do this. And then it's like the way we are applying it, it is forced upon us. Because we have no other choice, because after all, God is more powerful than you and I are. No. The Ten Commandments, or God's Ten Commandments, is not there to restrict you, it's there to protect you. Okay? If you, you know, everything that God says is not to make you stop doing things, you know, like say, oh, I want to, I want to play on the motorway. No, I don't think you should do that. Oh, you're restricting me. I can do whatever I want. No, this is set to protect you. You might think that the speeding laws in England is there to restrict you, but it's there to protect you. Can you imagine if everything, everyone could just do whatever they want on the street? It would be like the Wild West. Okay? The laws are there not to restrict you, it's there to protect you. Okay? So, <clears throat> so he went, which he should after receive an inheritance, obeyed, and he went out, not knowing whether, whether he went. You know what? This is fate. You don't need to know everything from play, play every every step of the plan. All you need to understand is now, because if God on on revealed the whole plan for you in one go, you would not be able to comprehend it. Okay, 
everyone, well, I want to read little note. You can't. And that's why when, when people say, you know, this is when, when people say, oh, God told me to do this and God told me to do that. No, God didn't tell you to do that. This is not how it works. God doesn't give you like this. He says to you, take this step. Take this step. He, you know, take this step. I'm telling you, uh, the world would be full of books if I, uh, I would be a billionaire if I had a penny for every time someone had told me that God told them to write a book. Okay? No, that's not how it works. God doesn't give you the end result. Because there is no, you have to understand, there is no end result. It's a journey we are walking with. Okay? It's not like that after 20 years of marriage, that's it. Bang! We, or we are married for 20 years and on the 20th day, year, it's over. No, it's a journey. And it's the same thing with God. God, God gave Abraham one step at a time. And with each step he grew. Okay? Can you imagine yourself to a newborn baby? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, get, you lie down the whole life in one go. They wouldn't be able to comprehend it. And God is like the same way. So don't, when we, a lot of people say, God showed me this, and God told me to do this, and God told me to do that. Don't believe it. Because this is not how God works. It isn't. And, uh, because he, take, he gives you once. Why? Because if you have a whole plan from the starting point, you don't need faith anymore. You know, Abraham, he was asked to leave, and he left. He didn't know where he went, but it didn't really matter where he went, because he went because he trusted God. And I can tell you, with your walk with God, God will lead you down paths you don't recognize. Because his, what, what do we say now? Now you can understand this verse. His plans are greater than your plans. But can you imagine if you only lead plans down to what you know, then it becomes your plans only. So if you want to do something that is beyond your understanding, you have to do something that is beyond your understanding. That is called faith. Just when, when you don't understand anything around you, just trust him. Just trust the word. Just trust the word. Just trust what the Bible says, despite of what it is. Don't look to your left, don't look to your right. Just trust him. Stay single-minded because he is in control. You might not think he's, he's in control, because, but really very often it's because we don't understand it. But don't worry, God is in control. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Okay? You know, but even with Jesus, you know, when he said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That was beyond his control. That was beyond. And when he said, in you I entrust my spirit. Jesus lived by faith. By trust in him. Okay? So, which he should, after receive for an inheritance, obeyed, and he went out not knowing where he went. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which have foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child, and so on. But it is trust in him. And this is what we need to introduce. We, we are not here to introduce a philosophy. We are not here to introduce a theology or a membership or whatever, or having a good time here on earth. No, we are here to ultimately tell people there is a Savior who has paid for your sin. Okay? And when you die, when you leave this earth, you, you go to heaven or you go the other way. But when you have met him, you can have the life of heaven here on earth. Do you understand? It's so important to repeat. It's not about having this man and the other. It's about, have you met him as your savior? Okay? Have you met him as your savior? Have you met him? If you die today, do you know? Are you confident? Are you going to heaven? Are you going? It is so important because so much has been taught about, don't you think Jesus, where can't you see the gospel is this? They're trying to reach and think. They're trying to appeal to your brain, to your common sense and whatever. No. The gospel is to your spirit. Has your spirit been born again? 
Okay. The, the first thing that came to my mind when I received Jesus as my Savior and Lord was, I'm never going to die. But, you know, it was such a huge relief that I am never going to die. I'm going to be with him. Okay. And now the great thing is, I can have that life here on this earth now. Okay. So, and so focus upon this. Don't get trapped into all the other things that is important. No, whatever you need to uh, in your day-to-day -day life is just say, Jesus, I know you're with me. Because your blood has guaranteed that. And I, I don't, don't fall into a trap and try to explain things to the devil, explain things to people around you and so on, even to religious people. But, you know, it's all about do I trust him? And the way you trust him is like the prayer in Ephesians 1 in the NIV translation that he will grant us revelation so that we must know him better. You are already qualified because now you understand what it means if you just have faith as a mustard seed. Don't, it's not about knowledge. It's not about improving your skills and so on. That's not what qualifies you. It is inheritance. Healing, you get an inheritance. Prosperity, you get through inheritance. Deliverance, you get through inheritance. Uh, restoration you get through inheritance. All the promises of God, all the wonderful things, you receive it as inheritance. Now you have to understand in with Jesus, for someone to, to, to release the inheritance, they have to die. But not only with Jesus, he didn't just die, he also was resurrected, so he made sure he executed his own will. Amen. He, 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 is, he, 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 he didn't only die for us for, so that the will could be available, but he also was resurrected to make sure it was executed in the right way. So there cannot be any law case afterwards was, was uncle so-and-so right in his mind when he did this one and the other. No, Jesus is the executor of his own will. Amen. So don't fall into the trap. They say, oh, it's because of lack of knowledge. No, no, lack of no, no. You just need to get closer to him. Just get to get, and then you have all the answers that you need. Set your eyes upon him, and he can turn your life around in a split second. You don't need to stand. You don't need to stand in faith. You don't need to wait upon God. You have to understand everything is done. Everything has been done already. You don't need to stand in faith for healing. It's done. You don't need to stand in faith for prosperity. It's done. You don't need to stand in faith for your salvation. It's done. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's pray now. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you that you are faithful. You are the beginning and the end, Lord. And Lord, I thank you for each and every one of us here that will you grant us increased revelation that we may know you better stir up the gift that you have laid within us that our hunger for you for your word for your presence may increase that we may know you better day by day in jesus name amen amen